For patients suffering from Alzheimer's disease, no memories are safe. From the recollections of daily responsibilities to our most cherished moments. And despite having invested billions of dollars over the last 30 years into Alzheimer's research, the pharmaceutical industry has approved few drugs, all of which are very expensive and only slow the rate of decline. However, some Alzheimer's patients refusing to accept this prognosis are turning to a new method, spearheaded by our esteemed guest today, American neurologist, Dr. Dale Bredesen. Now, this precision medicine approach uses the expanded health data of each patient to find the root cause of their illness and generate personalized protocols. Yet, Dr. Bredesen's best-selling author of The End of Alzheimer's faces constant skepticism from the mainstream medical community for his method, and his research was repeatedly denied approval for clinical trials until 2019. Even so, many patients following the protocol show signs of reversing their cognitive decline. A new documentary film narrated by Michael Blublet, Memories for Life, Reversing Alzheimer's, shows the eye-opening results of this life-changing treatment and questions why something with the potential to reverse such a devastating disease is not being embraced by medical researchers. What if this is the best chance we have to hold on to the most precious of things? our memories. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome our very esteemed guest today, Dr. Dale Bredesen to the show. Welcome, doctor. Thanks very much, Dr. Bond. Great to be here. Well, I'm very uh, excited and intrigued. And tell us about this film, Memories for Life, Reversing Alzheimer's. Yeah, this was actually made by the NHK, which is the CNN of Japan. Uh, and they were interested, of course, because in Japan, the longest living country, they were concerned about the, uh, as the seniors are aging in Japan, they're seeing Alzheimer's as a major threat, as a major concern. And in fact, the government a few years ago uh, sat down and said, these are our priorities. And the number one priority for the government was to see what they could do about reducing Alzheimer's disease because it's such a common problem with the this so-called silver tsunami. Uh, which, is, of course, is also coming to the U.S. But because of Japan's longer lives, they were concerned about that. And so they got interested in this and started filming it several years ago, talked to a number of the patients. And I think that's always the best way. Talk to the patients themselves. Of course, we've now published a number of studies showing reversal of cognitive decline. But as you know, it's, it, it takes a while for mainstream medicine to change. It does. Now, why has the decades of research for Alzheimer's disease been such a massive failure? It's a great point. It's been because people have always wanted a single thing. You know, we're still in that old model, which I call the 20th century model, where you want to get one thing. And so, for example, if you have pneumococcal pneumonia, you want to get that ampicillin or that penicillin, get rid of that one bug. Uh, it, you know, even with HIV, where it took three different drugs, pretty good success. And even now with COVID, where we have things like Paxlovid and vaccines, it's not perfect, but much better than it was at the beginning. The problem is what happens when you now look at complex chronic illnesses? And these are things like chronic renal failure, cardiovascular disease, neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, frontotemporal dementia, Lewy body disease. So our research in the laboratory over 30 years reached the conclusion that these have something in common. They are literally network insufficiencies. So imagine that you're trying to take care of a whole country 
and you've got all sorts of things that are making changes. Now, for example, uh, just take the analogy of the pandemic. What happened in early 2020? We were all told there's an insult abroad, and this is now SARS-CoV-2. And so we were told to shelter in place, socially distance, don't go into work. Of course, the country went into a recession. This is essentially what your brain is doing when you have cognitive decline. You have all these different things and all these different insults. Various infections have been associated, changes in the oral microbiome, so-called leaky gut, metabolic changes, too much stress. All of these things collude to give you a what is essentially a network downsizing. So your brain literally says, look, I have... 500 trillion synapses, which is what you have, but I'm going to have to get smaller. I'm going to have to switch more toward protection. So we think of the brain as essentially operating in two modes, connection and protection. So you're in the connection. It's, again, just like the country, you're, you're either growing and you're making new bridges and establishing new relationships, or you're pulling back and protecting. Your brain does the same thing. And we can measure the many different, we initially, as the film mentioned, identified 36. We now know of a few more, but it's not thousands, it's dozens. We can measure these different things looking at the different chronic infections, which are often unrecognized, various toxin exposures, metabolic changes, microbiome changes that have been so prevalent. And of course, even changes in rate of aging, the big, huge issue recently about can we reverse aging? These all come together with Alzheimer's. And so we can look to see. And of course, we'd also recommend coming in as early as possible. We recommend that anyone who is 40 years of age or over please get a cognoscopy, just like you know to get a colonoscopy when you turn 50, get a cognoscopy. And, uh, you know, when my wife and I turned 50, um, we decided we we're going to do his and hers colonoscopies on Valentine's Day, just get it over with. And so now you can do a cognoscopy so you can see where you stand, because this is absolutely critical. If we can get in earlier, we can truly reduce the global burden of dementia. And that's the goal. Well, as I was watching the film, I literally paused it because you showed this diagram of a variety of at least, I guess, 36 markers right. at the time. And right. I actually sat there and was writing down all the ones that I recognized very quickly. There was tau phosphorylation. There right. was the NF-kappa B, reduced thyroid signaling, hypoxia. I mean, a lot of right. people don't realize that hypoxia is actually very, very common because a lot of people don't do breathing exercises and they, yeah. they don't take deep breaths. Everybody's a shallow breather today. Uh, I noticed yeah. reversed T3, the re, yes. uh, reduced vitamin D signaling, and even uh, glycotoxicity, just the ones that I could recognize right off the bat. Now, is yeah. this part of a group called APP? So these are all things. So yes, that's a really good point. So amyloid precursor protein, APP, sits in the membranes of cells, both neural cells and others, but mainly in neural cells and especially at synapses. And it's a very interesting switch, as mentioned in the film. It is a switch that essentially is taking you from that connection to protection. So it is cut one way and produces 
two fragments, two peptides, one for outside the cell, one for inside the cell, when things are good. When you have not too much inflammation, you're getting the right nutrients. You mentioned hypoxia, that was really important because people don't realize that they often have sleep apnea. And so you, what, that is one of the common contributors to cognitive decline. So you wanna look, you wanna find out what your oxygen uh, oxygenation is at night. You can do that with wearables or you can do it with a sleep test. You can do it with an oximeter, which you stick on your finger, lots of ways to do it. Good thing for everyone to know about. Again, the mouth, even herpes simplex, this projects up the nerves and actually can get into the brain and over years of mild chronic inflammation, increases risk. And there's a professor in England, Professor Ruth Itzaki, who has spent her career showing the relationship between herpes simplex type 1, which is what comes from the lip, and the increased risk for Alzheimer's disease. So everyone's looking for one thing and they say, well, what's that one thing? Is it tau? Is it? No, it's not one thing. The, the thing is, it is a network insufficiency. And the great news is we can treat it. Now, the good news, you mentioned all the 36 different things. They really come down into two major groups. Energetics, so you got to have that oxygen. you got to have that blood flow. you got to have that mitochondrial function. And by the way, this is why people take ketones sometimes. Ketones help. You know, your brain can burn. It can burn glucose. It can burn ketones. Those are the two options. So you want to be able, to, in, a, in a perfect world, to go back and forth. So it's energetics, which are too low as we age. And then the other major group is inflammation. And that's what's coming from these different infections and things like that. So those are the two things that are critical. And there are many things that cause each one of these. And there's a literally a change in the balance associated with cognitive decline. So the great news for the first time, we understand this disease in a way that's never been understood before. We can now measure all these different things, as you said, and we can now address these different things. And just look at the, the people, if you, if you look at the people in the film, um, and they, they tested better, they got better. In fact, their MRIs improved. You, know, you can't fake an MRI. Uh, so you're really striking improvements in these people. And we've just had a paper accepted for publication showing that people sustain their improvement for over a decade. I mean, that's unheard of. So we've now documented that from the first time because the first patient, as they mentioned in the film, came in in 2012. By the way, she's, she's now 79. She's doing absolutely great. So these are things that weren't recognized before. Now, I, you know, I hasten to add, that doesn't mean 100% of the people get better. In our clinical trial, 84% of people got better, but it's not a guarantee. The earlier you get in, the more you identify the important things, the better the outcome. Yeah, you know, as I was watching the documentary and it confirmed so many things that I have always wondered, but they also yeah. confirmed or re reconfirmed some things that I have seen firsthand. I love the fact that you have this multifaceted approach. And yeah. I mean, even in the documentary, even down to oral care, the bacteria in the mouth can affect the brain. Microbiome, Absolutely. we have to pay attention that we have the vagus nerve, which is the signal between our gut, which is technically probably the strongest part of our immune system. If we don't yep. have a healthy gut, everything else is going to be in disarray, including yep. our brain. So, and I took, a, I, I visited 
Baylor College of Medicine a few years ago and went to their Alzheimer's research department. Standing around, letting them talk and, and brag about all of their fancy equipment and all of these things. And I'm standing there the whole time thinking, you're decades behind. You're spending money on equipment, but what are you actually doing with it? What are you actually finding? And they were bragging about certain things and I'm standing there going, but this was already been done 10 years ago. And yeah. one of them brought up, oh, now we're studying Tau. And I'm like, yeah, well, so was everybody else three years ago. Why are you late to the party? So I finally asked the head of the department, a leading researcher, and I said, how big a role does nutrition, today's nutritional habits play into the possibility of leading to dementia? She looks at me and she goes, oh, plays no role whatsoever. And right then and there, I knew. <laughs> you Right there. I stood there and never said a word. I just looked at her and thought, you know absolutely nothing. And and I in about in the next few minutes, I left because I was I was I was angry and horrified that they're just bleeding people drive for research funding and not doing anything with it. But you, on the other hand, this is where the proof is. It's the lifestyle changes that we can do with early onset and actually see improvements and which is why I applaud not only your work, but this film as well. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And yes, uh, absolutely. Nutrition is an important piece of this. And the reason for that is because your brain needs support. It, it needs energetics. Again, low energetics, cognitive decline. You just, you know, it, it's kind of a obvious if you know if you've got your you know you've got a car and it's going very fast and you've now got you know no gas and no oil no support you're not you know if you, f you forgot to charge it if it's an electric vehicle it's just not going to do the same and that's this, why would we think that our brains are different they've got to run on something so the key is we have to be able to go back and forth now what's really interesting dr bond is that when we're young we can use glucose we can use ketones as we get into our 40s and 50s, and, and you know, in some people you can see PET scan changes in the 20s. So what we used to think of as a you know old timers disease is really something that starts much, much earlier, which is why we encourage everyone, please get on active prevention when you're 40. So what happens is you lose the ability to use the glucose because you develop insulin resistance, which is essentially pre-pre-diabetes. There are over 100 million people in the United States who have insulin resistance. Well, because of that, your insulin goes up because you're now resistant. You got to make more. Guess what that does? That shuts off your ability to make ketones. So now you've lost both the ability to, to use glucose, the ability to use ketones. And so when I see patients who are having cognitive decline, to me, this is an energetic emergency. They're having, they're telling me, my brain is not getting enough support and it's got too much demand because of the typically some inflammation which goes along with it. So absolutely, that's what the optimal, you know, the, the diet. And people will say, well, gee, you know, just changing your diet, that's not a cure for Alzheimer's. Of course not. You've got to see the bigger picture, but it is part of doing the right thing. And it's an important one. You want to include diet, exercise, sleep, stress, brain training, detox, and some targeted supplements. Those are what we call the basic seven. Those are things that can help just about anyone to reduce their risk. 
then of course, if you start having problems, you wanna go in and look very specifically. Do you have Borrelia, for example? Do you have a tick-borne infection? Relatively common, people can go for years not knowing they have them. Do you have an exposure? And by the way, one of the best examples of creating dementia by exposure to biotoxins. These are toxins typically made by molds. And again, people don't even realize that this is a cause of cognitive decline. One of the best examples came from Texas, where a wonderful young couple bought their dream home. Uh, and the father then started to develop very clear cognitive decline, very Alzheimer-like. And again, anything giving you chronic inflammation contributes to the likelihood of developing cognitive decline. And Alzheimer's, what we call Alzheimer's, is simply that amyloid and tau, just what you mentioned, which are responding to these insults. The amyloid is an antimicrobial peptide. Literally, it is part of your innate immune system. So when you now are trying to respond to these insults, you make that amyloid and that tau. So the idea of just getting rid of those, it's like sending the police home after you've had a robbery in your neighborhood. Well, we don't want those police because they might shoot, some, shoot the wrong person. Well, that's true, but they're there for a reason. And that's the point. We've got to recognize what this amyloid and tau is there for. And, you know, it's the amyloid beta protein that seems to has, have, has caused the Alzheimer's research community to ignore multiple factors. You know, the, the scientific research community likes to focus on one tree instead of looking at the whole forest. Exactly. And that's where when they, when they found amyloid beta, but you and I both know now there are people with elevated levels of amyloid beta that show no signs of dementia whatsoever. So I think the research community needs to redo their approach. Absolutely. And of course, there is a role for amyloid beta, just as there's, you know, this is like having tumor necrosis factor. It's a response to a problem. Uh, but we need to recognize that. And if you're just going to remove that response and nothing else, you're not addressing the root causes of what's actually driving the problem. And that is what needs to change. That, this is exactly why we developed the precision medicine approach and, of course, published the first examples of reversal of cognitive decline. Back in 2014, we have just uh, published last year a successful clinical trial where 84% of the people improved, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, we're now doing a randomized controlled trial at six different sites. But the bottom line is you're absolutely right. We have to change the way we think about this, prevent it, and reverse it. Well, let, let me ask you this, doctor, because how has the pharmaceutical community become the tail that wags the dog? Because in a way, because of them w being one-track minded, they're not being open to new ideas, which could expand research even more. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Uh, and of course, it's important. And I do think the future is going to combine targeted drugs that understand the pathophysiology with these precision medicine personalized protocols. That's the future. They will work together. The problem, as you know, is money drives everything. So they are literally looking at a drug a drug that would work for Alzheimer's will bring in somewhere around 
$300 billion to $500 billion. That's with a B. So we're not talking about something that's going to bring in a few million dollars. This is hundreds of billions of dollars. And so, so far, what's been put into the development of all these for Alzheimer's is right around $40 billion. Well, that would only be done if the hope is that you're going to get many, many times that coming back. The problem is that colors your ability to analyze the data, unfortunately. And so what comes out of these things is, well, gee, as you probably know, the drugs that were approved recently do not make you better. They don't even keep you the same. What they do is they very slightly slow how quickly you decline. Now, imagine that Elon Musk said, hey, Dr. Bond, I got we made a breakthrough in SpaceX. All of our rockets explode and kill all the astronauts. But now it's a little bit later than before. You'd say, well, you know, that's really not much of a breakthrough, but that's what these drugs do. It's a little bit later. Now, if you're a woman, it's only 11% slowing, almost nothing. And if you are the highest genetic risk, ApoE44, it doesn't slow it at all. And in fact, it speeds it up a little bit. So these are not optimal drugs. Everybody knows that. But it's amazing what you can get people to say when you put some money in their pockets. And that's what happens again and again and again. It was pointed out by one physician that every op-ed that was published in favor of these drugs was from someone who was paid by the company. So I think it's pretty clear why this is happening. My hope is that people will say, no, we can do better than this. And, you know, there's, I do think there is a place for these drugs. What they are doing is removing that amyloid. So do all the other things right first. Get rid of your need for the amyloid. Get rid of all the insults. Now, go down on the doses and slowly remove that stuff. One of the big problems, as you probably know, these things are relatively high dose. They rip the amyloid out, which is in blood vessels, among other places. And therefore, they cause microhemorrhage in many people. They cause brain swelling in many people. And unfortunately, they've led to a few deaths. So I think that changing the way we understand, just as you said, will redirect us so that we, we can uh, really approach this in a very productive way. Yeah. And I, and I love the fact that what you said earlier, you know, when, when the HIV AIDS epidemic hit, uh, medical science jumped on trying to find a way to create medicines as fast as they could. Because right. you had a disease that could think for itself and work its way around drugs, which is why they ended up creating the AIDS cocktail, which yeah. as of today is extremely uh, successful. Yep. And Alzheimer's needs to have that same passion in creating multiple things at the same time. But I want you to tell us <clears throat> about patient zero and how it led to the recode protocol. Yeah, great point. And before I get there, let me just mm -hmm. quickly mention, you just you talked about HIV, and this is so telling. HIV, you have a virus. You know what it is. You have a sequence. You can see it. You can therefore look at variants. How quickly is it mutating? You can study it. The big difference with, with, uh, with Alzheimer's compared to HIV, it's not a single virus. It's not one thing. It's not COVID-19 where you can say, I got a sequence. I can see it. I can study it. That's been the big issue. People, so people have dozens of ideas. 
It's because of reactive oxygen spe species, free radicals. It's the blood flow. It's the, you know, it's prions. It's this, it's, it's tau, it's, it's amyloid. It's on and on and on. And so there are all these different ideas. You know, type three diabetes is another one that's commonly thrown out there. None of these simple ideas has ever led to an effective treatment that actually makes people better and sustains their improvement. So that's the key. Now, as far as patient zero goes, um, what happened, this was actually back in April of 2012. I got a call, you know, we'd been working in the, in the lab for all these years and we, we had been just turned down for a trial. We were trying to do a trial of all these different things, saying, yes, you have to change your diet and your exercise and all these things. And you got to look for these occult infections. You got to do all this stuff. And of course, the review board said, that's ridiculous. You know, that you don't do trials that way. You change one thing. We said, yeah, but that's not the way the disease works. It's not one thing. So they turned us down. The philanthropist who supported us got very angry. In fact, he said, if you worked for me, I would have fired you. So, so I, was, I was very depressed at that time. And I got a call from a woman in San Francisco who said, uh, a friend of mine who is actually in Washington, D.C., working for the U.S. government, um, has been told she's going to die of Alzheimer's. Her mother died of Alzheimer's. And I want you to see her because I know you got turned down for this trial. I said, look, you know, I haven't seen a patient for 20 years. We've been working on transgenic mice. So I said, look, if she's a mouse, I can probably make her better. Uh, but otherwise, you know, we, we got to wait for the trial. So she said, look, just talk to her. Tell her what you're, you were trying to do with the trial. So I said, fine. So she came out. She spent two and a half hours. We went through because, of course, she had to take notes on anything. She couldn't remember much. So we went through everything and I have to give her huge credit. She was diligent. I thought I would never hear from her again. She went back to the East Coast. She started doing all these things we had talked about. I got a call from her three months later. It was a Saturday morning at my home. And she said, I can't believe it. I'm back at work. She said, my memory's better than it's been in 30 years. And so, you know, it was the first time ever. So I, I turned to my wife, who's an integrative physician, who's actually uh, taught me a lot about doing all these sorts of things together uh, in a precision medicine sort of approach. So I turned to her and I said, it worked. You know, we, we were on the right track all along with our trial. Now we just got to get the trial approved. Now that took another seven years to get the trial approved, but the trial succeeded. And so I'm very happy about that. And she's patient zero. 70, as I mentioned earlier, 79 years old, she just rode a hundred mile uh, bike race. Now she didn't do it quickly. She did it, you know, normally, but, but she a hundred miles in one day. That's not bad. Uh, I'm and not sure I could do a hundred miles in one day. That, that's not bad. I'm an amateur cyclist. And yeah. I think my, my distance right now in one day is 70. And, yeah. uh, but the hundreds always at the target, but kudos to her, for getting out there yeah. and doing this. So what is this recode protocol? Great point. So what we put together was, we call this recode, reversal of cognitive decline. That's rec the recode part. And the idea is, so the concept is simple. The main issue is one of, as, as Deborah in the movie said, is that this is about willpower. So you do have to change. So you're literally just changing your neurochemistry. So the fundamental concept here is you have a problem if you've got cognitive decline or risk for decline where the support is not, is not reaching the demand. So you gotta increase the support, you gotta reduce the demand, and that way you will now get, and it's amazing to see these people as they do this, improving their cognition, their scores going up, and as I mentioned earlier, stay, staying up. 
So the idea is we want to look at the basics and then we want to look at what are any other things that are driving this. For some people, just doing the basics is enough. For other people, they'll still have other things. So we had someone recently, for example, who turned out to have a Borrelia, for example, which is a Lyme related, uh, it was Lyme organism. Another one who had Bartonella, another one who had Babesia. These are other tick-borne illnesses. Another one who had mycotoxin exposure, another one who had severe sleep apnea. Um, so just to give you an example, Sally, whom you saw in the film, she's the one with the kayak, doing, also doing great, by the way. She, she improved her scores and she had an amyloid positive scan. So very well proven Alzheimer's. She actually went on a trial of one of these anti-amyloid drugs and actually got worse during the trial. So stopped that on her own contacted me. She went from a MOCA score, which goes from zero to 30. She was at 24, which is significant MCI. She's a professor. She should be scoring 30. And so she actually went up to perfect 30, um, has stayed there, stayed there for six years, interestingly, then started to have some secondary decline. She was reevaluated. Three things that were new. She had a new leak in her home. So she, her now, her immune system is being triggered repeatedly by this exposure to these mycotoxins. Second thing she had, she actually had a new mild sinusitis, which turned out to be due to Cryptococcus laurentii, which is an uncommon uh, illness actually, but that was treated. And then the third thing, she had turned out to have sleep apnea that was quite severe. Uh, with the so-called AHI, apnea hypopnea index greater than 40, which is the definition of severe sleep apnea. And I was actually surprised that wasn't picked up earlier. So those three things were treated. And guess what? She went right back up again and she's done very, very well. She's now over seven years on the protocol. Well, so, see, what, the, the, so that's well, what this, this addresses the things causing the problem. And this is what I love about your protocol and, and the way you test each individual. Because, yes. and this is because every individual is a different person. I know medical science likes to group people. It's kind of like cancer treatment. Hey, you know, we're just going to use one treatment for everybody. And if you make it great, if you don't, well, tough luck. But it has to, we have to be treated on, on an individual basis. And just by these little things, you know, like I've read research where in the elderly, if someone is showing some, uh, cognitive decline, and let's say they're in a nursing home or a living care facility, make sure that you check them for a possible UTI because a simple UTI can actually lead to dementia type symptoms. And if it goes unchecked, then, you know, a doctor that's not checking them correctly or a healthcare worker thinks, okay, they have Alzheimer's, they need to be put on Alzheimer's medication when really they just need their UTI cleared up. Am I correct? Exactly. And so anything that causes chronic inflammation, and as you said, UTI is one of the most common, periodontitis, you know, gingivitis, these sorts of things, uh, just a leaky gut and poor diet that so many of us have. Uh, again, it's, it's surprising how important these fundamentals are. There was a nice study out of Canada uh, by a professor there called Stephen Kinane, where he just gave people ketones. So that's just a, increasing the energetics. Boom, a lot of the people with MCI got better with just that. So again, as you said, it's not one size fits all. The future is in personalized prevention, personalized treatment, and then combining with some targeted 
pharmaceuticals. That is the future. Well, in your documentary, um, some, something surprised me. And it surprised me that it was there, but it no. didn't surprise me of what their response was. So I'm going to let you explain. Uh, I don't want to be too negative, but why has the Alzheimer's Association been so standoffish to your work? And does it threaten their funding raising existence? Exactly. Of course. <laughs> so and, and, and I get it. So let's let, let me say and they, they were they, they were they were uh, kind of uh, pushing back hard there, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, because they have nothing. They have nothing. So when anyone criticizes, I always say the same thing. Okay, you get the people that you've made better and line them up. I'll line up all the people I've made better and let's compare the lines. They got nothing. <laughs> they have nothing. So in fact, they were paid a million and a half dollars or $1.4 million by Biogen, the pharmaceutical company. And they turned around and said, oh yes, Biogen's drug is good. Well, yeah, they just had, they had $1.4 million in their pocket. No kidding, they thought the drug was good, even though it has all these problems and it's ridiculously expensive. It'll cost you about $50,000 a year to have this drug. I mean, it's, and it doesn't even make you better. It just slows. So what the reason they're pushing back, and, and let me say the positive side of it, they have a scientific review board, of course. Those are my competitors. Those are the ones who say, no, do it our way, don't do it his way. So they say, well, we want to wait. You know, this isn't proven yet. Well, what they're missing is something called compassionate use. We are all aware of the fact that if you have end-stage cancer and there's a drug that may be used for something else that seems like it's got promise in that end-stage cancer, you are legally allowed to use that. That is the very definition of compassionate use. So when we have something that's making people left and right better, and we've had over 7,000 people on this protocol now, uh, if you do it the right way, if you stick with it, and if you don't wait too late to start, you have a very good chance. Although, as you noticed in the film, um, there was a woman who had a MOCA score of two with end-stage Alzheimer's who improved and was able to write again, was able to be continent again, was able to interact with people again. So we do see people even in late stages improving, but they don't come all the way back to perfect 30. That's the difference. And that's why we'd like to get people in as early as possible. So I, I totally understand. And if you go the, the Canadian Alzheimer's Association, which is called Society for Alzheimer's, the Vancouver group recently wrote because they saw the film and they said, no, we don't believe this. This is offering false hope. Well, our argument is they are offering false hopelessness. And that was actually that term was coined by one of the patients who got better. And she said, why are all these people offering false hopelessness? Well, it comes back to the same old thing <laughs> the drugs do. Um, that's what's going to give you the money. You, you give us your money and someday we'll have something for you. Well, the reality is that day is here. We have things we can do. We're seeing it repeatedly. And of course, we're documenting it. We're publishing it. Take a look at the, uh, the, the published papers that we have on this. They are peer-reviewed and they are generally accessible for free on the internet. So it's easy to get them. See, doctor, I, I love having you as a guest today because you're, you're confirming everything that I've known for years. And we have to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that what do we do every day? We eat, we breathe. Uh, we're supposed to be taking care of ourselves. And all of these things have to do with our mental function. 
Are you eating the right foods? Are you avoiding man-made chemicals? Are you brushing your teeth twice a day and, <clears throat> and getting optimal uh, oral care? Are you taking care of your gut? Uh, are you getting some form of movement and exercise? Are you doing some breathing exercises? You know, doctor, I always wonder with people with sleep apnea, maybe if they would do 30 minutes of deep breathing exercises before they go to bed, it may actually yeah. help the condition. And so it's just the simple things in life because what we do when we're young is going to show up when we get older and hopefully we start doing the right things now. Can you kind of give all of my viewers and listeners the quick five basic recode strategies that we can start right now? Yeah, and as I mentioned earlier, really uh, seven work better. So di before, before I say that, let me mention one other thing. Imagine that you in your home for 40, 50 years did nothing. So you didn't turn off the stove, you didn't close the refrigerator, you didn't put anything away, you didn't make your bed, you left stuff around, you did all the, just the basics you were just talking about. You did everything wrong. And then someone comes along and says, well, if you pay me a bunch of money for a drug, I'll give you an acid. You pour it on all this stuff and they'll slowly just start to disappear and everything's going to be fine. No, everything is not going to be fine because these are just what you said. They are the basics. Yes. You, did we really think that having chronic inflammation wasn't going to hurt us? We know it gives you heart disease. Did we really think it wasn't going to give you brain disease? Do we really think that having periodontitis is not going to be a problem? On and on. So here are the seven basics. Number one, a plant-rich, mildly ketogenic diet. That doesn't mean you have to go vegan. No, it just means plant-rich, mildly ketogenic diet. That does so many things, helps you with your detox, helps your microbiome, you know, helps you with, with, your, uh, with your fiber, with detoxing, improve lipid profiles, improve glycemic profile. It's amazing. So diet, exercise, Great to have both aerobic and some strength and some coordination, by the way. And uh, if you've ever seen EWOT, love EWOT exercise with oxygen therapy, that gives you a boost. That's kind of exercise on steroids. Uh, and then sleep. Um, and I check mine every night. And so you want to get at least seven to eight hours. You want to get at least one hour of deep sleep and at least an hour and a half of REM sleep. And then stress. Stress is a huge player here because it is stress itself increases your innate immune system. So you've got a kind of a hair trigger there. And so that increases your production of amyloid, increases your, your innate immune system's response, increases your risk for Alzheimer's. So improving your stress, managing your stress, as you mentioned, deep breathing, meditation, even forest, so-called forest bathing from Japan, which is Shinrin-yoku, any of these things, whatever you like, some relaxing music, whatever you like to do. And then number five, brain training. And Professor Mike Mersnick, who won the Kavli Prize, which is the Nobel for neuroscience, uh, was the father of brain training. It actually helps, and you can follow people's scores. You saw Lucy there uh, in, the, uh, in, in the movie, uh, and by that's by the way, that's Lucy from the Rockefeller family, uh, who's been uh, an amazing, wonderful, and and has done beautifully, and has shown people, hey, brain training. She's her brain training scores have been fab fabulous. Uh, so it's been it's been great to have uh, Lucy doing so well. Um, and then, uh, in addition to brain training, as I mentioned earlier, detox. And it turns out, you know, unfortunately, 
did we really think that living in the toxic world we're living in would never come back to haunt us? Uh, you know, we saw things from the, you know, the, the so-called forever chemicals. We saw what that did to people who had high levels. Uh, we saw, you know, we see again, we see the increase in cancer risk. And as you've seen, there's just been reported an increase in cancer in people under 50. So we're dealing with these exposures all the time. And guess what? They also affect your brain. And so the good news is you can detox, you can identify where these various toxins are. You can measure them, find out where your exposure is and change. Uh, you, you know, just getting rid of processed food uh, helps people a lot. And, and then the final piece is, yes, there are some targeted supplements. Now, people always say, you know, you're saying that supplements are a cure for Alzheimer's. Of course, we're not saying that. Nobody says that supplements are a cure for Alzheimer's. If they do, uh, they're being inappropriate uh, or they're trying to sell their supplements. No, but if you're low, you mentioned vitamin D. If you're low on vitamin D, that's been well proven uh, epidemiologically. You increase your risk for cognitive decline. Magnesium. So most Americans are low in several things. Magnesium, zinc, choline, potassium, omega-3s. Most of us are low in all of these things. And so bumping those up to normal, to better, more appropriate and optimal levels, no question reduces our risk for cognitive decline and improves our cognitive decline if it's already begun. The other big thing is, you know, get in early. So those are the seven basics that everybody can do. If you then find that you are progressing, okay, please get in and see a trained expert who can now look for chronic infections, specific toxic exposures. Uh, do you have sleep apnea, other things like that? The reality is that this is a very common illness. So this dwarfs the pandemic. Of the currently living Americans, 45 million of us will die of Alzheimer's if we don't do these sorts of things. So if we reduce the risk, if we treat early, we can really make that number go way down. Well, I love that, Doctor. And where can all of my viewers and listeners find out more about the Recode Protocol and see your film, Memories for Life? Yeah, thanks. So the film is actually now streaming. Uh, and as you mentioned, Michael Buble did a great job with the narration. Uh, you can see it on Amazon Prime. You can see it on uh, Apple TV. Uh, you can see it on Google Play, uh, Vudu, and Tubi. So it's streaming on all of those five platforms. Uh, you can find more if you look at mycognoscopy.com to get yourself checked, or you can just look up CQ test. So there's a free test that everyone can take. It takes just a few minutes on the internet to tell you where do I currently stand? Because as you know, one of the big problems is this stuff sneaks up on you. And we often see people who say, well, I'm here for prevention. Well, when we test them, it turns out they've, they're beyond prevention already. But the good news is we can bring them back to doing very, very well. So you can see it there. Uh, you can also go to drbredison.com. Uh, and, uh, and then actually, we've also got now, we worked with a group that does delivery of these KetoFlex 12-3 meals. This is the plant-rich, mildly ketogenic diet. So you can actually have them delivered so you don't have to worry about finding all the right stuff. Um, and if you can do that, that, that you can do it through Nutrition for Longevity. I love that. Now, they can also go to memoriesforlifefilm.com? Yes, you can also go to that one as well. That, one all, that will basically direct you to the places to stream it.
Oh, fantastic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you need to head over to memoriesforlifefilm.com. Also check out drbredison.com as well. Hey, look, there is hope for all of us. He's already given us a, a quick list of things that we can do right now. Yeah. But if you are showing signs of early signs of dementia or Alzheimer's, uh, definitely look up Dr. Bredesen. There are outlets in which you can have all of the, the testing done. So if you go to his website, he'll all of that will guide you into the right place. But you need to watch this film. It, it, will, it will excite you. It will give you hope because other people have proven that the recode protocol actually works. And look, we all need to start making lifestyle changes. And, and if you haven't started, you can start today. And to save your memories, you must start saving your memory. And Dr. Bredesen, I want to thank you so much for sharing your input, your expertise in the areas of Alzheimer's disease with us today. I think you're bringing a lot of hope to millions, millions of people around the globe. Thanks so much, Dr. Bond. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for watching and listening. And as for me, I'll see you next time.